Hello and welcome to Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This is episode 90. In today's episode, we are discussing new guidelines for CPR in dogs and cats. A very safe, inexpensive, and effective natural remedy for fleas. Plus, the golden paste anti-cancer recipe for dogs. Veterinary Secrets is on all your favorite podcast apps, including Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Questions or comments, feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog where we post all the podcast episodes. And lastly, if you've yet to get a copy of my free book, you can do so by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. New guidelines for CPR in dogs and cats. Recently in the news, a person was able to rescue and save their dog after he nearly drowned by using CPR. Because of that story, I felt that it was really important that I revisit CPR and even more importantly, talk about what the new guidelines are. They've been applied to people and now applied to our dogs and cats. So in particular, the specifics of CPR, we're not gonna go through all of it, but I'm just gonna briefly go over the specifics in terms of uh, one, assessing responsiveness. Is your dog or cat responsive? Are, are they breathing? Is their heart beating? First, you need to know, do you need to apply CPR? The second part, are they breathing in terms of, can you feel any air coming out of their mouth? We're trying to determine one, um, do they have a heartbeat? Two, have they, uh, do they have adequate airflow? You're gonna put your hand in front of their nose. Maybe put a light compression on their chest. We wanna know if they have an obstruction or not. Three, you put your ha- hand down on in the inside part uh, of their left armpit. You've palpated to see if their heart is beating. If they don't have a heartbeat, they're not breathing, you know, immediately you're looking at applying and starting CPR. So this is what's different in the basic steps in terms of CPR. So first, after you've done your initial assessment, you've determined yet you need to apply the steps of CPR. Next, you're gonna lie your dog or your cat down on their right side. So their left side is up. You are going to apply two rescue breaths where you put your hand over top of their muzzle, you put your mouth over top of their nose and you blow into their nose two times. You see their chest rise two times. Then you're gonna interlock your hands and you're gonna lean down on your palms, having your hands or your palm located up in behind your dog's or your cat's left armpit. And here what we're doing is we're compressing between the third to the sixth rib spaces and it's up in behind their left armpit and that's where the heart is located. You need to be leaning fairly firmly so you're compressing the chest approximately one half an inch for a small dog to one and a half inches for a large dog. So we're think of compressing the chest between a third to one half the thickness of the chest wall. The big difference here is the rate and the rate of compression. So in the past, typically it was about one a second. Now it's closer to so two compressions every second. So 100 to 120 beats a minute. An example that's given in CPR teaching is thinking about the song Staying Alive. You're going to that rhythm. Boom, 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 boom. So you're you're compressing you know, quite firm, quite rapidly. So two compressions every second. So you're going to compress. You know, you're going to compress uh, 30 compressions, which is in 15 seconds. Then you're going to do two rescue breaths. Ideally, you have someone else helping you. They're going to do the rescue breathing while you're doing the compressions. You guys can switch off. In some cases, you can just keep compressing for 60 compressions and then two rescue breaths. They say the most important thing 
is first of all, is the, is the compressions. Are those chest compressions? And every time when you do compress the chest, you're also drawing some air into it. And even now during current CPR teaching with people are actually saying, focus on the chest compressions, be less concerned about the breathing because you're still drawing some air in. But regardless of all of that, so the big difference here, we're doing approximately 120 beats a minute, not sort of 60. Two, you really need to be firmly compressing that chest wall down because it's the chest wall that then compresses the heart. It's gonna draw that blood into the heart, get that blood circulating, moving throughout the body. Third big point, you need to practice this. So get yourself a stuffy. Learn to locate your palpate where your dog's pulse is, your dog's heart is. Practice, you know, the, the simplistic basic steps of actually doing you know, a rescue breath, how you put your hand around their nose and their muzzle and you're gonna breathe into their nose. I encourage all that, but keep that whole new principle. If I can say one last thing is that hopefully you never need to use CPR, but I was surprised the number of clients I had in practice that had had to use it. And the big, what I was able to see is that clients who had practiced it, they'd actually done it on a stuffy, they'd practice it with their dog. They're the ones that were able to respond really quickly. Ultimately, if CPR was gonna work, that's where it was gonna work. It's where you've never practiced it before, you don't know what to do, you're in this emergency situation and you're lost. So more than anything, I just encourage you to practice. Fleas, well, flea season is upon us. It's summertime. This is when the fleas are reproducing like mad. This is when the sales of all the flea and tick medications have gone through the roof. Many of you, rightly so, are concerned about all these toxic flea and tick medications, array of different side effects, and you've got the FDA posting on all the potential side effects. Some of the new ones, they seem to be really effective, i.e. ones such as Brevecto. There's now new warning labels on these new medications because of the incidence of seizures. They do have the potential of serious side effects, meaning more than anything, it's important you look for some of the alternatives. That many a pet parent asked me, like, Dr. Jones, what would you suggest? What do you use on your own dog and your own cat? First one that comes to mind for me and the one that I've used is called DE or diatomaceous earth, right? And if you're looking for an effective natural treatment, I really think this is the one that you should start with. It's a non-toxic natural substance. It's made from the crushed fossils of freshwater organisms and marine life. Now it's found throughout parts of the earth and it really, if anything, it just looks like flour, this fine white powder. The way it works is that it's deadly to any insect yet completely harmless to us, dogs, cats. It can kill fleas, ticks, lice, or even mites on your dog. It doesn't poison insects or paralyze them the way that some of the pharmaceutical products do. The way it works is that it's got these razor sharp particles that are on the diatomaceous earth and that's what breaks the outer layer of the insect's protective coating. They dehydrate and they die. I actually use diatomaceous earth orally myself. It can also be used for internal parasites. I used it in my garden. I've just used it on my lettuce. Works really, really well. Helps eliminate and deter slugs. But at the same time, it's safe for you and I to consume as it is safe for your dogs and your cats to consume. Hence, I like using it topically as well as orally. The first big thing when you're trying to choose a diatomaceous earth product is you're gonna get the kind that's meant for oral consumption that's safe for people. Safe for people, it's safe for your dog, safe for your cats. And this will be available at many pet supply stores as well as uh, any natural health stores. So how would you use it? How often do you use it? So what I suggest is that you can actually use it in your house. You can sprinkle it in the cracks and crevices throughout your house. You can do that once a week during flea season. 
So all those areas where the flea eggs, the flea larvae will fall off and the flea eggs fall off, they go through the flea life cycle, sprinkle it in the cracks and crevices, leave it for a few days, then vacuum it up and just keep repeating that uh, throughout the summer, throughout this, the fall, while the flea season is in full bore. Secondarily too, you can actually sprinkle it, lightly mist dusting your dog, your cat with diatomaceous earth. And what I do is let's suggest lightly dusting them and then using a flea comb to spread it through your dog and cat. And it's a really easy thing. I would suggest doing it once a week. Some people even do it uh, twice a week. You're keeping this, them lightly misted. And if they do happen to groom themselves, that is completely fine. Likewise too, you're using the type of diatomaceous earth that's also meant for oral consumption. So it's something if you put get some of your hand, it gets into your mouth, that's okay too. Also, it can be used to help control internal parasites such as roundworms, whipworms, pinworms, hookworms, potentially even tapeworms. They say it can work in as little as seven days of feeding, but to be most effective, you need to be feeding diatomaceous earth for about 30 days. And then you're gonna cover the entire life cycle of these parasites. When we are looking at doses for internal parasites, a small dog and puppy, about a half a teaspoon per day, up to 50 pounds, one teaspoon per day, over 50 pounds, one tablespoon per day, 100 pounds or more, two tablespoons per day in the food. It's best to mix it with raw or other moist food. If you're feeding a dry food, add a bit of water or some broth to moisten the powder. If you get to try it, I encourage you to do so. I'll also put a link under the podcast uh, to the specific diatomaceous earth that I'm using uh, for my dog and my cat. Lastly, this new anti-cancer recipe, also called golden paste. It's considered a very powerful antioxidant and cancer-fighting remedy for dogs, also for people. So the key ingredient in this golden paste is is a herb called turmeric. There are numerous clinical trials in dogs that have shown the potential health benefits of it. It's shown to have anti-inflammatory benefits as well as being a really good pain reliever. It's also been shown to have positive effects on cancer cells. You know, if your dog has anti-inflammatory disease, arthritis, cancer, you may want to consider giving turmeric a try. And the active component in it is called curcumin. And the biggest thing with curcumin, the 95% curcumin, I've talked about it on the podcast for a bunch of different things, is that it needs to get absorbed to be, to be effective. And that's part of the big issue is that uh, curcumin especially has got all this research behind it. But if your dog doesn't absorb it, it can't be beneficial. So when we're making up this goal and pace, what we're doing is actually adding specific ingredients in it to help it be absorbed and make it more effective. And I'm going to give you the specific components to it. There's an array of different variations on it. Um, So this is one in particular that a person had been using and published and many, many dog parents are using uh, to help one potentially prevent. And in some cases, some people are even claiming treat uh, their dogs that have cancer called the gold cur paste. It includes two tablespoons of coconut oil three tablespoons of 95% pure curcumin powder, one half a teaspoon of black pepper. And this one is optional, but may also make it more uh, beneficial and more medicinal as three teaspoons of Boswellia serrata extract. So the directions are in a small corning or stainless steel pan, slowly melt the coconut oil, stir in the curcumin. So then it mixes up really well, let it cool, and then for, as it's cooling, then you can add in the one half a teaspoon of black pepper. 
And when it's fully cooled to room temperature, then you can also lastly add in, if you have it, the, the Boswellia serrata. What you wanna do is then store this in a small glass jar. The dose for a standard dog is a half a teaspoon twice a day. I would even start at smaller amounts than that, a little bit at a time, even a quarter of a teaspoon twice a day, mixing that in with your dog's food. Are there any side effects? You know, if you give too much at once, you can have some GI upset. There is some thought that higher doses of the 95% curcumin may play a role in terms of with blood clotting. So if your dog is scheduled for surgery, you should have them off of that for seven to 14 days prior to surgery. In general, there's minimal side effects, potentially really big upside. I did make this specific recipe myself. I'm like, okay. And I thought, well, I've got to try it for myself. So I used all of that in what I thought I'm gonna make this super healthy curry. Finding that when you have that much curcumin uh, mixed in, like three tablespoons is a lot of curcumin. You mix that into a curry. That makes a pretty potent curry. You know, just starting with really small amounts initially, like don't take the full on dose. And if you're gonna add it in in some form of a supplement, start slowly first, you know, even say a quarter of a teaspoon initially. Make sure your dog tolerates that fine before you up the dose. Um, but if you're looking for a supplement that potentially can help prevent and or in some cases treat cancer, I would have you consider the gold cur paste. Well, that concludes this edition of Dr. Jones's Veterinary Secrets Podcast. This was Podcast 90. Any questions or comments, send me an email at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. Leave a comment on the blog, veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. And lastly, get a copy of my free book, Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. You can do that by going to www.veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Once again, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. This is Dr. Jones.